Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. There are two introductions to this uh, message today, one for teenagers and adults. Uh, But this one, the first one, is for children. So if you're watching this sermon by video and you gathered the family around, uh, make sure the kids uh, dive in on this. We have a little quiz uh, about things changing. So a caterpillar changes into what? Is it a butterfly or a giraffe? That's right. It, it's a butterfly. A tadpole changes into which one of these two? Yep, it is a frog. A baby changes into a bird or a little boy? Well, you probably got that one easily, right? It's a little boy. And a teenager changes into a cat or a man? Well, it, it's the man. How about this one, kids? Uh, an acorn changes into a cupcake or an oak tree. Well, we might wish it were a cupcake, but it is an oak tree. Today, does today change into tomorrow or yesterday? Well, the answer is tomorrow. Two more. The year 2020 changes into which year? 2040 or 2021? 2021. And here's the last one. God changes into... Well, you notice there's no potential answers on the screen because God never changes. God doesn't change at all. That's what this message is about today. In fact, there's a big, long word for it. It's called immutable. God is immutable. That means he does not change. And we're going to look at Psalm 102 to guide our thoughts. Now, for teens and adults, what I'd encourage you to do is just to take a minute, maybe pause the video and and ask yourself, uh, let's take the last 12 months. What change or changes have I seen? And of course, in some ways, that's an easy question because there have been many, many changes in the last year. Now, change can be good, interesting, even exciting, but also can bring stress, especially when the change relates to aging or changes in our health or a pandemic or relational conflict or a lot of stress when there, in fact, when there's too much stress that can lead to distress. And that's why we're going to look at Psalm 102. Psalm 102 guides us about what we should do when we are in distress. Now, this is a Psalm. Uh, so we're, we're listening in on someone else's prayer. Uh, we're listening in on a person who's hurting. The superscription in my Bible says, uh, this is a prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. Now, a lament is a crying out of the soul. Laments look forward to what God will do in the future, but they acknowledge pain in the present. 
You might think of all the Psalms when you take the 150 Psalms, you might think, oh, it's all praise and worship and it's all just, you know, exciting and happy. Well, actually, there are more than 65 laments in the Psalms, including laments for fallen warriors, illnesses and victims of suffering, among among others. Now, as a psalm, there are no direct commands in the passage. The, the passage, unlike other parts of Scripture, is not going to say you need to do this and this and this. But we still learn from it because it is God's word. Now, we learn by observation. We pay attention to the one praying and to the prayer he makes. And that helps us to know what we can do when we're distressed. So as we, li- as we watch and listen to somebody who prayed while they were in distress, it can help us answer this question. What should we do when we're in distress? And that, that answer is going to come right from the, the three sections of this psalm. Um, in the first 11 verses, uh, we hear this desperate cry out to God. And then there's a stark contrast that comes in verses 12 to 22. And the closing verses, 23 to 28, uh, really turn it to a, a strong worship of an unchanging God. So here's, if we begin at verse 1, here's the first thing we should do when we are in distress. We should pour out our hearts to God honestly. That is lament. Listen to the psalmist. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Now, as I read those verses, did you did you notice any metaphors? The the angst, the desperation uh, of this person praying who wrote the psalm comes in the way he uses metaphors, the the word like. (laughs) Um, Notice them. I've got them highlighted there Uh, like smoke like glowing embers, like a desert owl, like a bird alone on a roof, like the evening shadow, I wither away like grass. We don't need to be afraid to tell God what's going on in our lives. We do not need to fear telling God honestly and pouring out our lament to him. He already knows. And he also invites us Uh, to share with him. This psalmist is modeling total transparency before God. He lays it all out. God's not going to be offended by an honest dialogue. God does not want us to pretend everything's okay. Aubrey Sampson writes, when Christians lament, 
We do so to a God who lets us. Our cries, even our cries of doubt and despair, fall on his loving, listening ears. And then he says, God wants every part of us, not just our pretty selves, but our sharp edges, our sin struggles, our suffering, and our sadness. If we never acknowledge our pain to God, we will never truly know what it means to praise him on the other side of suffering. In our honest crying out to God, our pain, or it is in our honest crying out to God in our pain, that our worship of God grows more authentic. So that's the first, that's the first thing we can learn from this psalm is just pour our hearts out to God. Lament to God. Tell him what's going on. And then we come to verse 12. We come to the second section. And that is to remember who God is and how he responds to his people. Verse 12 starts out with a huge contrast. This writer has been in distress and talking about how bad things are. Like a desert owl, like a bird alone on the roof. But you, Lord. But you, Lord. You sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion. For it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come. For her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. Why? For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. This writer is very confident about how even prophetic you, you would say about how God is going to restore Jerusalem at the appointed time. In fact, he was so confident about it. That he said in verse 13 that the time had come. He's speaking as if it was already true, even though it hadn't come true yet. And now verse 17 adds an important piece to it. It comes because of God's character and in response to the prayer of the destitute. That's our God. He responds to destitute people. He hears their prayer. Verse 18. Let this be written for a future generation that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. Well, what, what does he want to write? Here it is, beginning in verse 19. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth to hear the groans of the prisoners and release those condemned to death. So the name of the Lord will be declared in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem when the peoples and the kingdoms assemble to worship the Lord. The psalmist now is moving beyond the restoration from exile, which indeed happened, to look forward to that great distant day when God is going to gather the kingdoms all together. Now, last week, we started the 40 days of prayer by looking at Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Let us then approach uh, the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. God is gracious. God listens. 
God's response. We started there, and this psalmist gets there after pouring out his distress. He gets there. He he remembers that God is gracious, and God responds. And yet the psalmist doesn't stop there. In the closing verses of his prayer, he takes it to another level of worship. And that inspires us to do the same. So in the last few verses, it shows us what we should do when we're in distress, and that is to adore the eternal God who never changes. Now, verse 23 kind of reminds again uh, of the bad situation before focusing on God. In the course of my life, he broke my strength. He cut short my days. So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. In the midst of his pain, the psalmist looks up at God and worships him for who he is, an eternal God. He says, your years go on through all generations. And the next portion of the psalm and this prayer drives home that truth by referring to creation and noting that the heavens and the earth owe their very existence to God. Verse 25, in the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. That's (laughs) the most amazing thing we can see in, in this universe pretty much is the heavens and the earth, the, the size, the scope, the majesty, the beauty of it all. And yet, this writer rightly recognizes that God is eternal, that God is creator. And look what he did. In the beginning, he's the one who, who put all this together. And yet, after, after uh, calling attention to the heavens and the earth. Look at the contrast that comes in verse 26. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. I love this contrast. I mean, what seems to be most stable to us in this world is, is the physical universe around us, right? You don't, have to go out and wonder at night, uh, uh, are there going to be moon and stars? Now, you may not be able to see them all the time because of a cloudy night, but you know the moon and stars are out there. You know the sun's going to rise the next day. And yet the, the, this great creation, it's going to perish, but God's going to remain, and, and he's, he's going to change them like, like we change clothes. You know, you, uh, clothes wear out. For me, when uh, when socks wear out or an old T-shirt or something, uh, I either throw it away. But most of the time, I might just I got this uh, little bucket in the garage that becomes my rag bucket, and they they become rags. And you know, most most people do that. Um, I noticed the other day my wife had a pair of socks on, and and when she sat down, I noticed I could see her heels on the bottom of both of them. And I, I said something to her, like, honey, um, you know, do, do you think you need, need some more socks? She said, oh, I love these socks. They're so comfortable. And I think it was the very next morning she had them on, and uh, our grandchildren are 
here staying for a while. So Isla and Judah were on the bed and she was actually kneeling down and like reading, uh, reading a book to them. And Natalie, their mother, uh, our daughter-in-law, walked in and she just looked and saw the backs of Tish's heels and she just started laughing. <laughs> she said, Tish, I now know what I'm going to get you for your birthday and your anniversary and Mother's Day and every other holiday. I'm going to load you up with socks. Well, we, we have old clothes and they change. And, and, and that, that's the analogy that the psalmist here. Like, just like we change these old clothes, uh, you know, God is going to uh, uh, compare that to the universe. That They're going to wear out like a garment. And, and they're going to be discarded. Now, verse 27 um, is an amazing verse. The universe is going to be discarded as we know it. But you remain the same. And your years will never end. The physical universe as we know it is not forever, but God is. And he will never change. He never changes. The universe is growing and expanding. We know those things. And our future as God's people is tied in. It's linked with God himself. That's how verse 28 concludes. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. God restored the children of Israel from their exile under Cyrus. He later sent Jesus to restore humanity to himself. That was the ultimate establishment. And so what should we do when we're in distress? Follow the three movements of this psalm. And it gives us three, three great uh, models. <laughs> Pour out our hearts to God honestly. Remember who God is and how he responds to his people that he listens to prayer, that he is going to restore and establish and adore the eternal God who never changes. And there's another blank there, and that's just, yes, <laughs> amen, <laughs> amen. Now, did, if you've got the outline sheet there, you'll notice maybe a little blank to the left. There's All of these form a little acrostic. They follow the contours of the psalm, but I found an acrostic in them. P, pour out your hearts. R, Remember who God is, A, adore the eternal God, and wise for yes, pray, <laughs> pray. So when we are in distress, the best call is to call on God. Now, I, I want to make an important qualification here. There are different levels of distress that people experience. Everyone faces distressing situations uh, at some point or another. Some of those might involve a physical or psychological a, or a clinical level of depression, or there might be a medical reason that that is best addressed by a medical professional. I recognize that. I support that. So if you're facing something of that nature, we would certainly encourage that. And this psalm may not be speaking to those types of issues. I'm applying this psalm to the levels of distress that we all face at various times, which do not require professional medical intervention. And the principle in this prayer that is clearly established is that God doesn't change.
God does not change. And that guides us as we pray. It guides us to focus on who he is. It guides us to pour our hearts out to him. It guides us to worship him. And, you know, that truth is found in many places in the Bible. Numbers 23, 19. God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And, of course, the answer to those rhetorical questions is no. That's not our God. How about 1 Samuel 15, 29? He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a human being that he should change his mind. God's word does not change. God's faithfulness does not change. God's character does not change. His grace, his love, his mercy, his holiness, his justice, righteousness, compassion, they don't change. God's power doesn't change. God's ability to do miracles, he he in the Old Testament was able to part the Red Sea. He was able to rescue Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego from the fiery furnace. And that same God is the same today. He has the same power to rescue you and me today. God's promises do not change. His promises, I will build my church. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I will never leave you or forsake you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will return. And when I go, I will send another comforter. Now, here's an important question anytime we're in the Old Testament. How does this point to Jesus? Psalm written long before Jesus Christ ever walked the face of the earth. But how does it point forward to it? Well, there's a book in the New Testament written to Jewish Christians called Hebrews. We actually spoke out of it last Sunday. That book opens up by the writer comparing Jesus and saying he's superior to angels. And he compares some of the things that God would say about angels with the things he said to the Son of God, to his own son, to Jesus. And he compares things that aren't said to the angels with what, it, what is said to Jesus. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. He, this is God the Father, and he's saying this to God the Son. He also says directly to Jesus, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. Do you recognize those words? Those are the words of Psalm 102. And in Psalm 102, the psalmist was saying them to God. He was revering God. He was honoring God. He was lifting God up on high. And in the New Testament, God the Father says those same words to Jesus, his son. He says to his son, you laid the foundation of the earth. In other words, the deity of Christ is on full display here. Jesus, yes, he was fully human, but he was fully God. That's how Psalm 102 
points forward. In fact, the writer of Hebrews will say near the end of the book, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Wow. Well, let me apply this message if I can. Uh, Let me just give you some words, just some key words uh, that relate all to prayer. The first one is the word believe. Um, Jesus is not just a good religious leader and teacher. He's the son of God. He's fully God. And he he is the one that paid for our sins. And he paid for your sins by dying on the cross. I hope that today you really, really believe in him. You put your trust in him. Another word is the word worship. We've seen who he is. We've seen who Jesus is. We've seen who God is, God the Father, in his unchanging nature. And we worship him for that. And we worship Jesus too. Here's another great word, the word wait. Does anybody here have distress? (laughs) As a pastor that has ministered to people for over 25 years, I know that you do. And I know that I don't know all the distress that's out there. But God knows your concerns. He knows where you hurt. He knows if it's a personal struggle. He knows if it's health, if it's relational. He knows if, if it's uh, COVID, if it's financial, if it's just change, if it's uncertainty. Uh, wait on him. Hope in him. And related to that is the word cling. Cling to him. Cling to him. Uh, it's a great hymn that we sing around here often. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And then the last word is the word pray. Let's pray during these 40 days and beyond. When we are in distress, the best call is to call on God. First Samuel chapter 12 It tells us about an occasion when the prophet Samuel was speaking to Israel and he reminded them of a time that they were in distress, but they didn't call on God. They wanted a king. He says, but when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, no, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now, Here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for, for see, the Lord has set a king before you. Lee Eckloff points to this story and says they do the same uh, thing that we do. As as they did, we get into situations in which we're frightened, anxious, insecure or confused. Some crises where it is obvious We should cry out to God in repentance for forgetting him. But instead we say, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to try herbal medicine. I'm going to tell her to get out of my life. Why didn't Israel just call on God? For the same reason we often fail to. When the people of God are in trouble, we will usually try everything else but simply walking by faith. And hopefully this message today, this psalm today will encourage you to call 
on God when you're in distress because he's an unchanging God to call on him. If I have a problem with a car, I'm, I'm calling Steve Lawrence. If I have a problem with my heating and air conditioning, I'm calling Carl, Carl, Carl Seeger. If I have a problem with my computer, I'm calling Mike Jolly. If I have a problem with my health, I'm calling Dr. Catabaugh. If I have a problem with my lawnmower or almost anything mechanical, I'm calling on Walt Gillespie. <laughs> it's good to have a capable person to call on. I hope they don't get tired of hearing from me or change their numbers or go on vacation. If I'm distressed, I'm calling on eternal God who responds to his people and who never changes. Because when we are in distress, the best call is to call on God. There's a God who knows us, loves us. And invites us. And unlike everything around us. Never changes. Let's call on him. Oh Lord God. We do that today. We call on you. There's a lot of distress. People have a lot of distress. In their individual situations. We have a lot of distress in our world. The pandemic. With tensions and ugliness in society. There's just. There's a lot of distress Lord. I'm glad that you don't change. That you're still powerful. That you still listen to your people. That you can still save and you still do save and you still do hear and answer prayer. Oh, Lord, we call on you. Help us as a church to call on you more than ever before. And we pray it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, there's some discussion questions uh, that we'll use on our virtual uh, gathering uh, on, on Sunday morning. And next week... Uh, in addition to all the groups that pray together, we have a couple of church-wide opportunities to pray. One is for men. That's Wednesday at 6.30. Stan Record will be leading that. And then uh, on Thursday morning, 7.30 in the morning, for women, and Heidi Record will be leading that one. And this Sunday, in all three of our services, the two in person, as well as the virtual gathering, we'll pray for harvesters whose last names start uh, between G D and GR. So we look forward to that. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.